0: Happy Friday, everybody! Happy Friday! It is December seventeenth. Seven days, one week away from Christmas Eve. I hope everybody is having a good holiday season, a safe holiday season. I'm here at Westmore, the host of the More Wine and Music podcast, a podcast where we discuss music over a glass of wine. I am having—I haven't been saying what I've been drinking. Um, in the last few episodes, because I, I've just been pretty much staying um, consistent on um, some of the the drinks I've been um, drinking. Um, I, I I just like red wine, um, but I do like white if it's sweet. I'm I'm just a sweet wine drinker. I know a lot of people rather have their wines a little dry or in the middle, semi sweet, but I like. Uh, I can do semi-sweet, but I, I, I predominantly like, like Rieslings and Zinfandels and things like that. But I also like my sweet reds. And that's basically what I'm drinking tonight. And it's, you know, the good old table wine, rossi sweet uh, red. But tonight it's actually the sangria flavor. So there you go. Um, also... For those who haven't subscribed or hit the like button on your podcast, whatever the podcast platform that you're listening to, please hit that like and subscribe to the more wine and music podcast channel. It'll help um, boost up the uh, audience, boost up the ratings. I really want to bring great content to you for those who are interested in music in general, it's just sometimes it's good to talk, you know, just talk about something that's very non-controversial, you know what I mean? So, music is, you know, my passion is something that I love. I love different, all types of music. And I like talking about the, the entertainers and the musicians who have made uh, certain types of music. So, um, please hit that like and um, subscribe button and hit follow on whatever podcast platform that you are listening to. Also go to www.morewineandmusic.com to um, listen to past history of all the other previous episodes that I have, uh, have talked about from season one and two. Um, If you want to reach out to me um, concerning if you have an interest in certain um, a certain entertainer that you would like me to talk about. um, Right now I'm in season three and I'm so I'm talking specifically about entertainers and musicians that came up during the early 50s, during the early rock and roll era. Not necessarily rock and roll. Let me take that back. Not necessarily rock and roll, but R&B, rock and roll in the 1950s, you can certainly email me at morewinemusic at gmail.com. That's morewinemusic at gmail.com. All right. So tonight's episode, episode number 31, I'm going to talk about a girl group. Now, this is before the Supremes, this is before the Marvelous, this is before Martha Reese and the Vandellas. We had the Chantels. Okay, and they were considered one of the best girl groups, first R and B vocal groups prior to the Supremes and Martha Rees and the Vandellas and the Marvelettes and so forth. So we're in the fifties. So it consists of a quintet, which was Arlene Smith who was the lead, Lois Harris who was the first tenor, Sonia Goring, who was the second tenor, Jackie Landry, who was the second alto, and Renee Minus. And um, they began their journey. They came from the Bronx. They all went to school together at St. Anthony of Padua. And while attending school, they became friends and they started... uh, coming together to form a little group. They all sing in the choir at St. Anthony of Padua School. And by 1957, they had been singing together for more than seven years. So they basically started when they were just little, little girls um, in 1950. Um, while in school, they pretty much was kind of a trained um, they had trained voices because they was actually while you know in in during their time singing in the choir at their school, their main type of music was the Gregorian chants. So it takes, you know, training and vocal training to be able to perfect the Gregorian chants. So they were already, you know, well on their way to. Um, further in in their music career. You know, unlike, because they they were little girls, they were young preteens and teenagers, they weren't able to, what we call, hang out on street corners and, you know, practice their their singing or anything like that, like their male counterparts. A lot of the male uh, groups, they, you know, you would, hear that they were discovered on the corners of wherever, you know, whatever neighborhood they were, you know, singing or, or came from, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, girls, they weren't able to do that. Girls, you know, pretty much had to go to each other's houses or whatever, but these girls, they took their time and um, actually started playing and practicing um, in the locker room at their school And so Arlene Smith, who was, like I said, was the leader. She was also the member of the basketball team. And so after she would play her, you know, their game, the girls would get together in their locker room and start, you know, practicing songs who, by the way, their songs were pretty much original because Arlene pretty much wrote um, a lot of their music, their early music. And she was also a trained classical singer because by the age of 12, she was already singing in Carnegie Hall. So these girls were actually young professionals, even before um, their, you know, their time, before the later on groups. A lot of, you know, a lot of girl groups were, you know, discovered, you know, by playing in the church or, you know, or whatever. But these girls were actually trained vocalists. So there weren't any pretty much, there weren't any many girl groups in the mid fifties. And what set them apart was, again, like I said, Arlene was, um, a trained, um, vocalist and she was able to read and write music so she was able to write their own material so coupled with their with her background and you know their gospel uh, classical background putting those two together you know it it came out a great combination for them legend has it while as how they actually were discovered was that they were on the second floor of a Broadway building on um, Broadway and 53rd when one of the members of the Valentines passed underneath the window. And the girls had recognized this young man who was part of the Valentines group at one point because they recognized him as being on the Alan Freed show. And then he, you know, so of course it's giddy girls and, you know, seeing someone that uh, who was, Famous, so to speak, they ran and got wanted to get his autograph. And you know, while he was, you know, graciously giving them his autograph, you know, they told him that he they that they were a singing group and they would like, you know, they wanted to have a group and they wanted to sing. So he did, um, he made it a arrangement with, um, Richard Barrett, who was part of the, uh, let's see, I'm I'm not sure where Richard, I think he had his, I don't know if he was part of a um, recording uh, company, but he, he knew somebody who was a producer and writer. Actually, let me take that back. He was the producer and writer of the Valentines. I'm sorry. I'm just getting some of my um, information wrong. But yes, Richard Barrett was the one who was the producer and writer and arranger of the uh, Valentine's. So he took them in, um, to introduce them to George Goldners, who was um, the owner of the Gee and Rowlett Records. And um, so they... Made an appointment and wanted to went to see the owner of the Roulette Gee and Roulette Records. They auditioned for for them and they signed them on. You know, it didn't take much back then in the fifties. If you notice, it didn't take much. If you know, if you had a good voice and um, harmonized, you know, you can pretty much. I don't, it didn't matter how young you were. Um, with the exception of Motown, which I'll be getting into the Motown era when I go into the 60s uh, season. But um, so, you know, a lot of these young kids were actually signed into, you know, on, on, on record labels, which, you know, would pretty much come back to bite them later on because of the contracts and everything, you know, they were young. They didn't understand the intricacies of the business side of music and their rights to their music and ownership and things like that. So later on, as they became older, um, signing contracts at a young age would come back to haunt them. But anyway, they um they were, you know, they began to record and the Chantels had dropped by the seabird and wanted to, you know, know what was going on as far as, you know, they want a hit record. They wanted a hit record by early of 1957 they were signed to End's Label, which was kind of um, a subsidiary to the Rowlette rama um, gee um, label. And ironically, this was the um, label that the future Little Anthony of the Imperial, Imperial and Frankie Lamy and the Teenagers and the Bob Betts would be recording from. They released their first single, He's Gone, in August of 1957 and then he's gone, became a a new standard of quality for the female group recording. And by September 30th of 1957, the record was on the billboard at national charts, topping at 100. But, And then it went, you know, started moving up to number um, 71. The other songs um, that they recorded was a song called Maybe. Now that song was really kind of catapulted them to the top. It became number two on the R&B charts. And um, by... And this was in and they recorded this in um, October 16th of 1957 and again um Arlene was the lead singer and she was pretty much was the um the arranger the writer and the uh vocalist of of the of the group you know after, after maybe the song maybe, um, and 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 being in number two, you know things were all good. You know, so they were, um, you know, wanting to wanted to stay on the roll and be, you know, record back to back other songs. Their third single um, for the N record uh, label was "Every Night I Pray." And, um, that reached in, uh, number 39 in the pop, pop billboard and number, and also number 16 in the R&B charts. Other songs they had was Share of Love, Pray E, I Love You So, How Could You Call It Off? And the fourth single was April, I in April, I Love You So. These were, they weren't as popular as the hit song of Maybe. And, you know, after that, after, so they pretty much, they couldn't grasp that notoriety and that popularity of the same, uh, of the rest of these songs that they recorded after the song Maybe. So kind of things started to kind of wane after a while um and it was in um at the end of 1959 the label end label just you know basically just dropped them you know that and that's how these com- um a lot of these recording companies are if if you don't produce um hit records hit after hit after hit um you eventually will be dropped and you're pretty much, you know, dead in the water. After they were dropped in um, pretty much in 1959, um, the lead singer Arlene Smith um, left the group and decided to go solo. Um, and it was pretty much downhill after that. Um, they tried to replace, they replaced uh, her with another female vocalist. And, um, you know, but it just wasn't the same. Uh, They actually went to uh, into the 60s and, you know, they again, they recorded a little bit of, you know, some minor hits, but it just is just again, it's just not the same. It was just wasn't the same as the song. Maybe Um, some of the hits were in summer of 1961 it was um, Looking In My Eyes, which they actually left the end um, record label and went to Carlton Records. And though, you know, Looking In My Eyes went to the f- number 14 in the pop charts and number six in the R&B charts, which was pretty good, not bad, but it was pretty good. Um, after that, in 1962, in 1962, They released um, their own album, which was the Chantel's on tour. And they um, recorded their second single from the Carlton record label. Well, I told you, and it was the answer to Ray Charles. Number one hit, um, hit the road, Jack. And that, that charted reached number charted to number 29 on the pop. Um, Again, but then after a while, they just started to just kind of just wing off and wing off and wing off. And it's, especially in the 60s, um, their third in time in six years, they, you know, charted, but it just wasn't the same. And so throughout the 60s, it, it was just a hit and miss type um Thing for the for the girls, and they just you know couldn't couldn't recover from their heyday back in the late fifties. So in nineteen seventy, the group officially disbanded. But. Their notoriety is because of the fact they were one of the fewer girl groups that actually, you know, were formally trained and they had such a beautiful, you know, blended voice. And they were a pioneer prior to, they did open, the they paved the way open to the 60s groups of the, you know, the Supremes, um, the Ronettes the Dixie Cups, uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, the Marvelettes, you know, other girl groups that came along after them. So they pretty much paved the way. So, I mean, that's pretty much it about, you know, once they disbanded, um, the women decided to kind of leave the entertainment business all together and live, you know, regular lives. So, that's pretty much it of the Chantels. Um, Although their career was maybe from 57 to 70. So what you're talking with 13 years, maybe 13 years. You know, they did contribute, you know, some of some hits. They did um, pave the way for other Groups to come after them, the other girl groups. So, episode number thirty-one, the Chantelles, That's it. Again, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Um, next week, I won't be recording because of the Christmas Eve holiday. But please, you guys, please check out the um, warm white, more wine and music. The story behind the music on my youtube channel which is the MORM wine and music and um, i uploaded another video this past week talking about two of the group the coasters who i talked about in last week's episode two of the coasters members who were actually murdered so i talked about that on my youtube channel so please check that out on the more wine and music, the story behind the music channel. Again, hit um, if you are interested in hearing uh, a particular artist within the fifties era that I'm doing for this season that you would like for me to talk about, um, please email me at um, more wine at gmail.com. Okay. You guys have a safe, happy holiday season And I will talk with you probably within the next two weeks. I will try to have a um, episode uploaded prior to the New Year's Eve day before the New Year's Eve. Okay, so take care and I will talk with you soon. Bye. Hey, guys. I forgot to mention one of the things about one of the most important things about the Chantel is the Chantel's name. Where did they get the name Chantel's from? Well, they began to do talent shows, and, and and like I said before, that they went to school at Saint Anthony's, um, Padua. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's where they went to school in the Bronx. Well, they also did uh, talent shows at the community center at Saint Augustine's Church, and um, they had and they played. They also played. Uh, I don't know if it was. Um, uh, they played against different teams. I don't know if it was in what, I don't know what type of sports. I don't know if it was basketball. What, but this particular school team that they played against was called Saint Francis de Chantel. So that's basically one of the girls in the group decided, to, well, let's name our group, the Chantels, because they named it after the one of the school team's counterparts, which was St. Francis de Chantel. I wanted to make sure that was uh, included. I forgot to mention that. And I apologize. Also, I wanted to apologize and cite my source of where I got the information of about the Chantels from. Um, one was from the history of rock dot com. And it was also and another one's from the biography of about the Chantels by Stephen Thomas, Erlewine, and that was from AllMusic.com. So I just want to make sure that was actually included, and everybody knows the source of the information of where I received about the Chantels and where they actually got their mus- uh their name from. I mean, I, I did. <laughs> that's one of the important things about doing a biography. You got to know the beginning. Of, you know how they were formed so that's how they got their name from one of the uh, other schools that they played against so there you go all right thank you